Back like I never ever left. I know I missed you missed me and I missed you. Here we are for episode 5 of the Home Dogs podcast. Like always, I am your host Brandon Hurley with Herald Publishing, sports writer aficionado, football guru, whatever you want to say. I'm here for it and I'm ready. Okay, so last week we had a rough one. Once again, sheesh, the last two weeks we are a measly two and seven. Yikes. Makes me want to puke. But hey, we're still up on the year, still 16 and 13. So if you've been following along, we've still made you money. And it was, we were so close to getting back on schedule, getting back on track, catching that hot streak again. We missed the Florida-Georgia game by one point. We took Florida plus six. They lost by seven. We missed that SMU parlay of plus five and a half and the over. The over hit. But we missed that plus five and a half. They lost by six. It was a rough one. The only pick we just completely missed, just botched, was the Texans against the Jags. We had the Jags plus minus two. Or plus two or one of those things. And they just got completely blown out of the water. I didn't realize that game was in London. Probably would have taken Texans in that one. But hey, we're still 16 and 13, still rolling. And we, oh, ho, 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 man, am I ready for this weekend. This slate of games, these next three days, oh boy, it's going to be a saucy one. Starting tonight... Friday, November 8th, we have the Iowa High School quarterfinals for football. Winners go to the Dome next week, so that'll this will be a blast. I'm up in Algona tonight covering Green County and the Algona Bulldogs. Green County is trying to be become the first Jefferson team to make the Dome since 2006, so it's been 13 years. It'll be a fun one. Algona's undefeated. Then tomorrow, whew, I'll get into the get it into the picks more as we move along. But boy, am I fired up for tomorrow's slate! From starting from three till probably ten o'clock, I'm gonna be playing in front of the couch, watching tons of football. It's gonna be awesome. And of course, you have your usual NFL slate. So I am ready. I don't know what I just did there, but whatever so yeah uh, filming from a new studio today my new we moved to a new uh place over in boone here so we're just brand new first time filming and recording over here so i'm ready for that in today's show we have our usual picks obviously and then we have we bring back Caden for the talking with elementary segment that's a good one and then today i introduce a new a new segment that I'll I'll do sporadically throughout the year. We don't have a we don't have a long guest again this week, but next week, oh, I am ready for this one. We have Matt Kalish, co-founder of DraftKings, next week. So you want to tune into that one? That'll be awesome. I'm talking to him on Tuesday. I'm gonna pick his brain about all the daily fantasy stuff and how what what he's done behind the scenes and how he's grown his company and now they're into sports books. So it's it's going to be a great conversation. I can't wait for that one. So you need to stick around for another episode 
But this week, I'll make it a quick hitter. It won't be too long. So, yeah, that's that's what I have for you. Let's get rolling into our segments. For my picks this week, I've got five spicy hot games for you. We are ready to get back on a win streak. I don't care what you say. We are coming back. Bounce back, bounce back. Let's go. Let's freaking go. So this week, as I said before, earlier in the show, it's an amazing slate of games. I've been waiting for this. Which also could mean that it's going to be a rough week. But hey, we're staying positive. We're not getting suckered in. We're picking the big games. We're going through. We're going through to the bank. I'm going to win you some freaking money. All right. We'll start out with some of the local games here. We'll start with Iowa at Wisconsin. Wisconsin's favored by nine and a half. Last last I checked, as always, we're using our DraftKings sportsbook lines over here because we got DraftKings in our backyard. So last I checked, Iowa was a nine and a half point underdog. Let me check that one for you real quick. Just to see what we're coming back to. But yeah, I like Wisconsin in this game. It's a tough... It's a tough atmosphere, and I don't think... Iowa can stay up. Can stay with... Wisconsin, if they especially if they they don't have the offense to stay with them, especially if they fall down by, they if they fall behind. That's a tough recovery. They don't have the offense, and Wisconsin's defense. I know they've been torched recently, but they're better than they have been. And I want I as an Iowa fan, I want Iowa to win, but Wisconsin, I think, covers this line. That over-under of 38, I think it sneaks under just barely. I think it's going 37, but my 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 confident pick here is Wisconsin minus 9.5. And, and it's a big game. Wisconsin has a great running back. It's a huge game for the West. Wisconsin has lost two in a row. Illinois and Ohio State got smoked by Ohio State. So I think they want to get on this this one and get jumping back on track I Iowa has the defense to stay close but if it if they fall too far, far behind like I said I don't see them staying within nine and a half um, and that brings me to our second local game our second Iowa game is last I saw Iowa State was a 14 point underdog at Oklahoma. That was an interesting spread. I mean, Oklahoma's good, but they're no, as Kansas State proved, they're no world beaters. They're not. Holy crap, this line's gone up to 16 now. Ooh, I'm going to bang that hard. That might be my lock of the week. I'm going to switch it up. I had Purdue and Northwestern as my lock in my column, but this week I'm switching it up. B Hurls, Spicy Mustard, Hot Dog, Pick of Lock of the Week, Iowa State. Covering 16 points at Oklahoma. I don't know what's happening in this one. 
I don't know why this line keeps moving up. But hey, if you wanna if you wanna win some money, take this one. Iowa State, whew, they're they're ready. I know Oklahoma's gonna be really pissed off too since they lost to Kansas State. Kansas State pretty much rolled all over them. Jalen Hurts was crazy good. Oklahoma's got a lot of talent, but hey, Iowa State, Brock Purdy, I don't think he'll play as poorly in the fourth quarter as he did a couple weeks ago. And Iowa State's defense is pretty good, so I don't see Oklahoma winning by three scores. Do you? So lock that lock that one up. Iowa State, B-Hurl, Spicy Mustard, Hot Dog Lock of the Week. We are ready for that one. And then the other college game that I like, I've got a couple other ones that I like. I like Purdue at Northwestern. Purdue's a 2.5 point underdog. I like this one as the money line. I, I mean, Northwestern is not anything good. Their offense is atrocious. Just absolutely atrocious. And Purdue, while they're not good... They're better than Northwestern. Northwestern's one and seven. They haven't done crap. So if you want some easy money on this one too, take the money line of plus one oh six or hit the plus two point five. Either way, you're coming out on top because Purdue is winning this game. Purdue's got some offense. Their defense is all right. Northwestern, I don't think can keep up with them. I do, I don't and it's not like Northwestern is a tough place to play. They're playing in Evanston. Nobody shows up there. So I think Purdue wins this one. And that folds me into my fourth college game of the day. I know I'm all over the college games this week. I love college football if you haven't picked up on it already. But I am hitting Minnesota. Right now they're at plus six and a five. I plus six point five. I had them in my comment points. Plus seven. Home underdogs against Penn State. Both undefeated teams. Eight and no. Penn State's number four. Minnesota's in the top 20. Minnesota's undefeated this late in the season for the first time in like 50 or so years. So that's that's a big one. I don't see them winning it, but I think I can they can keep it within within reason there. So I Penn State's nothing special. I mean they beat Michigan, they beat Iowa. I mean, not like, not like it's anything crazy. I mean, they're undefeated, yeah. But I mean, have they beat any great teams? I mean, their defense is—I don't—we don't know how good their defense is. I mean, they played Iowa. They shut down Iowa, but that's not like that's difficult. So yeah, go ahead and take Minnesota and thank me later on that one. And then finally, we move over to uh, a football, an NFL game that I like. I was just trying to find some stats that I saw from covers. Let me find those for you real quick before we get into the NFL slate. I saw a really, the underdog, the, the way underdogs are still hitting it. And which is why I have an away underdog hit this week. Let me read these stats from you from covers. This year road teams against the spread are 75 and 58 and 2. Underdogs just regardless of home or away 
are 76 and 57 and 2. And then you take the home, home underdogs are 23 and 22. And then you take, this is the one that's eye-popping, road underdogs are 53 and 35 and 2. So, if you're looking at some underdogs, I say you pick some of that. The big big home underdog, the home dog that took last week was the Ravens, that they were plus 3, and then they went and freaking smoked New England. That hit that over nicely. That was kind of almost my lock of the week. It should have been the lock. But the game I'm looking at, and recently what I saw, it was at 6.5, I think. It was the Seahawks at the undefeated San Francisco 49ers. I don't think the Seahawks are 6.5 points worse than than the, the 49ers. And this is a Monday night game. The Seahawks, Russell Wilson, and Pete Carroll in prime time. I think this is a good one to go on. I know the public is kind of slamming this one. At last I saw 60 or so percent of the money was on the 49ers. So take the take that into account. But I just think the Seahawks are more experienced. And... They can they can they can do this. They can cover this six point five spread. I think they could even win, honestly. So they're still a good team. Russell Wilson's having a hell of a year. So kind of look at that one, but I say take the Seahawks. We'll just look at some quick lines. I won't make any picks. I'll just point out some interesting spreads here. One that really has kind of shocked me for all the money that's going on it is the Jets are three-point underdogs at home against the Giants. I know they lost, just lost to the Dolphins, but it's not like the Giants are anything special. They're 2-7. They have Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. Whoop-de-doo. But there's 70% of the public, as according to covers, is hitting the Giants to cover. So if you're looking for some value here, I say take the Jets as home underdogs plus three. That would not be too bad. And another one I'm looking at the Steelers are also home underdogs. Three and a half point underdogs against the Rams. The Rams have done nothing special this year. I don't know what's happened to them. And the Steelers aren't terribly, aren't too terrible. I mean, their record's four and four. They're against the spread record is five and three. They aren't terrible but the 64 percent of the money are taking the rams and so if you want to take a home underdog i mean home underdogs are 23 and 22 so it's not like you're you're gambling too much you're almost winning 50 percent of the time uh, let's look at some stats here the the steers are five and one against the spread in their last six games there's five and one against the spread in their last six games on grass and then they're eight and two and one in their last 11 games falling against the spread win so i like I like that one, too. That's not too bad. The Steelers, I mean, their backup running back's not too bad. Samuels, Jalen Samuels ain't too bad. And let's see if there's anything else that I see that I like. I don't think I wanted to. I've tried picking the Browns the last couple weeks, and they're not doing it for me. Um, neither are the Bears. Um, another one. <laughs> That oh, this one's coming good. Titans, Chiefs, 
Chiefs are at Tennessee. That line here on Sportsbook, DraftKings Sportsbook, is six and a half point underdogs against the Chiefs. So if you like, if you want to take a chance, if Mahomes isn't playing this week, once again, why not take the Titans? 74% of the money is on Kansas City. I think I saw it somewhere else. It's almost 90%. So, as we saw last week, the the public was slamming the Browns, and then they and then the Broncos came up and won. So, if you're looking for some value, that's a good one too. The Titans, and they're nothing special. They're four and five, and they're three and five against the spread. And the Chiefs did have a big win against the Vikings at home last week, but they're in in Nashville. Let me do a quick. Google search on Patrick Mahomes and see where he is at with an injury update. And the Tennessean in Nashville says they're not sure about Patrick Mahomes playing. So, hey. If, they're, if the Chiefs are playing with Matt Moore, there's nothing wrong with Matt Moore. He's been doing pretty reasonable for the Chiefs, and they still have a lot of weapons on offense. But six and a half, that's a good line for the Tennessee Titans. So I say look at that one. Look at leaning at the home dogs this week in the NFL. We've got a lot of home dogs this week. I say look at the Titans, look at the Steelers, and look at who else were we looking at? Look at the Jets. Steelers, Jets, Titans. Look at those as home underdogs this week. I know I've got a lot of picks for you this week. Hopefully we can get back on a a winning streak. We need to get there because we're about to lose our our reputation. But trust me, stick with me. We'll get back you, you money and we'll get on a winning streak and we'll all go celebrate at the bar tonight. Tomorrow night, Monday night, Sunday night. It's a great weekend of football. Let's get it going. Woo! So there you have it. We've got some nice picks for you this week. We're going to make you money. I know it. I feel it. I feel it in my bones. we got a big weekend. Let's go. So now we shift our attention to a couple segments. First off, we bring back... Caden for talking sports with an elementary student. He had a couple weeks hiatus, but he had a big run a couple weeks ago. So he bring him back for that. And then I follow that up with a nice little segment I like to call honoring the underdogs. I'll tell a little underdog story. It won't be every week, but it'll be just something cool. It won't be technically sports betting related, but it'll be sports related Stories that I've covered in the past, the stories that I found in the archives or just been really close to, something that's really cool for me that I've really had a close touch on. So that'll follow Caden. But first of all, here we go with Talking Sports with an elementary student. Welcome back, Caden. What's up? It's been a while. I've missed you. What's up, dude? Hello. How's it going? Doing good. Oh, I thought you were doing terrible. You got any jokes for us, buddy? 
Unfortunately, no. I kind of ran out of ideas. You don't have any jokes. Not one. No. Think of one. Think I, of one. I can't. Please just think of one? I can't. Okay, okay, fine. Well, I guess that's what happens when you go on a winning streak and go undefeated. This kid was 2-0 a couple weeks ago, so he's and getting full of himself. For a week. Yeah, you haven't been on the show for a week. Because well, guess what he does? He wins a couple bets, takes all his winnings, and goes on vacation. Is that when you did, didn't you? Where'd you go? Hawaii? Kansas City? I didn't go on New vacation. York? Yeah, you did, didn't you? Oh, yeah. I went to Kiyosaka, Iowa. Oh, yeah. Lacey Kiyosaka State Park. Oh, yeah. We went camping, dude. Spent all mm-hmm. your big winnings. Yeah. Yeah, big roller. High class roller. So what you been up to lately, buddy? Uh, basketball. You watched a lot of football recently? No. Any basketball? Eh. Who's your favorite basketball team in the NBA? Uh, how about the Raptors? Oh, nice. Why? Uh, because they're good. Because they're good? And yeah. if, you, uh, if you're hearing this echo, because um, we are filming this in a different place. Oh, tell them about it. Tell them. Let the people know. What's up? Where are we at? Where are we at? We're at a new place. And is it nice? Yeah. Oh, it is. Ugly. It's nice. No, it's great. It's great. So have you been enjoying this football season? You've been enjoying this nice cold weather? Yeah. In, in the area, in Iowa metro area, in Boone, Iowa, there has been a lot of snow lately. I know. It's dumb, isn't it? Yeah, it's been really cold. I it didn't... felt like 10 degrees this morning. Yeah, geez, what is it? When I was November and in... recess, it was 10 degrees. Oh, recess. Do you have you made any bets with the kids at recess? Have you taken any money? Do they watch a lot of sports? Do they gamble on sports? What? Are there any Iowa fans at recess? Uh, yeah, there's quite a few. Oh, there are? Yep. What do they say about Iowa? Uh, they say they like it. Um, and Iowa has beat. Um, Iowa State, five years in a row. Heck yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Woo-woo. Go yeah. Hawkeyes. <laughs> Stanley's the manly. Okay, so do you have any jokes for us yet? No. No jokes? No. You can't think of one? No. But you're the jokester. Yeah, I can't do that. Think of one. My Caden's jokes have been can I haven't. I yeah, Caden's been canceled. <laughs> My jokes have been canceled for the week. Yeah, he has. Okay, well, then we'll just get straight into the football picks. This kid was 2-0 last week. Let's see if he can keep it two weeks ago. Let's see if he keeps it rolling. <coughs> First game of the week, we'll go with Penn State at Minnesota. Two undefeated teams. Minnesota is a seven-point underdog. Penn State's favored by a touchdown. Who are you taking, Penn State or Minnesota? Uh, Penn State. Why? I don't know. No, you know. Come on, tell me. I don't know. Okay, he's got Penn State. And then let's go for, how about this one? Iowa at Wisconsin. Wisconsin's favored by nine and a half points. Who we taking? We're taking Iowa. Why are we taking Iowa? I mean, I think they will win. This is a big game, I think. Oh, why is it a big game? I don't know. Just got told by someone. Oh, someone told me. I don't know. My grandpa. Oh, your grandpa told you? Yeah. Grandpa Hurley or Grandpa Jeff? Grandpa Hurley. Yeah, it is a big game. It's a big one. Oh, shoot. What did I do? I don't know if they can do it. Do you think they can win? Why do you think they'll win? Uh, 
Give me the remote. Okay. Why do you think Iowa will win? Because they'll win because they're a great team. Oh, they're a great team? Oh, nice. Okay, so then on the other one, here's your favorite team of the day. Iowa State at Oklahoma. Say it with me. Oklahoma. They are favored by 14 points. Two touchdowns at home. And Norman, Boomer, Sooner, Sooner, who you taking, Iowa State or Oklahoma? You know what? I think I'm going to go with something different than Oklahoma. Oh, really? I'm going to take Iowa State. Oh, the surprise of the century. Why are you taking Iowa State? I don't know, but it just popped into my mind. Oh, it just popped in your mind? Yeah. Okay, how about this one? What are you taking? The game of the night. How many picks are left? Just a couple left. Just a couple, man. Don't be so impatient. LSU at Alabama. This spread is sitting nicely. Alabama is sitting there at home. A home favorite, minus six over LSU. Who are you taking, LSU or Alabama? Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Shush. Connecticut. Nobody wants to hear this. Delaware, uh, Florida, sh- Georgia, Hawaii, Idaho, Illinois, Indiana. Oh, my gosh. Guys, this is what I've been hearing for the last three weeks. I wake up to it and go to bed to it. It drives me crazy. Minnesota, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska. Do you know what LSU stands for? No. What do you think it stands for? Uh, Loser State University. Loser State University. That's a good one. So you picked Alabama, huh? Mm -hmm. Okay, and then we'll pick one NFL game. No, we'll pick one LNFL game. One NFL game. Detroit Lions at the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears are favored by two and a half. Who you taking and why? Chicago Bears, because I don't know. Popped out of my mind. Because they can eat lions, right? Yeah, right. Uh, right. So. Iowa, Kansas. You have any jokes? You have any jokes for us yet? No. Come on, think of one. Okay, what did I. The state of Iowa said Alabama. What did they say? Uh, let's sing 50 nifty. 50 nifty. That's not even a joke. What did Nebraska say to Illinois? I don't know. Iowa. Popcorn shrimp. To you. <laughs> Get it? I owe a popcorn shrimp to you. Ha ha! Boom! <laughs> that was a terrible joke. Sorry, guys. Sarah, you got any jokes for us? No. Oh, that's just Sarah over there. She's the big money winner. What? No, she isn't. Oh, yeah. no, she isn't. Sarah, who do you think? Who, do you, who covers? LSU or Alabama? Alabama's favored by six. Who do you think? Number one versus number two. Ooh, LSU. It, LSU it stands covering. for Loser State, State University. University. Yeah. <coughs> well, that was a quick little boring one. This kid didn't have any jokes this week, so he's not entertaining his fans. They're going to cry now. They're going to cry. Well. Because you didn't give him any jokes. Out of town. Goodbye. Tell, tell him a fruit joke. Uh, what did the apple say to pizza? What did the apple say to pizza? Let's get some Casey's pizza. Yummy! Nom 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 nom. 
Okay, on that note, we'll say goodbye. Caden has Iowa covering, oh. Iowa State covering, and he has Penn State covering and Alabama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, yeah let's go. And the Bears. So okay, he's taking. Let's watch some okay, let's watch some. Already. Let's watch some diarrhea. See you later. <laughs>big shout out goes to Caden. Thanks so much for him for joining us and welcome back to the show. We missed you. So as I alluded to earlier, I'm introducing a new segment this week. It won't be every week, but it'll be pretty regularly. It's called Honoring the Underdog. Since we are a podcast about underdogs, we love the home underdogs. I'm going to introduce you to some stories that I've liked that really Cinderella type stories, underrela- underdog stories. It doesn't necessarily have to be sports betting related, but it will be sports related. It could be high school stuff. It could be college stuff. It could be NFL, pro, NBA, whatnot. It's just something that I think would be interesting for the public and our listeners to hear in on. Not everybody likes to read. I know I love to read, but not everybody gets into some of the stories that we've touched on over the years. So I think this is just a cool thing to bring back and touch on some of my favorite stories throughout the last few years. So here we go. Honoring the underdog, the first ever episode. Enjoy, folks. Legendary Michigan football coach Harry Kipke asked this question to his Wolverines prior to the season finale against Iowa back in 1929. Supposing the ball was on the six-yard line and fourth down, what would you do? Kipke asked. A small, red-headed man from Jefferson, Iowa, piped up. I, retorted, Mr. Donald Wilson would move near to to the end of the bench so I could see the touchdown better. It was a fitting picture of who Donald Red Wilson was for three years prior to breaking onto the scene for the historic Michigan football program. He sat on the bench for three years playing for the B team, a Division I Big Ten program. He was a graduate of Jefferson High School in 1925-26, that right around there. And he was a star for Jefferson, as the, the Ramblers, as he was known back then. He had conjured up the nickname Speedy for his quick stat, quick movements, just lightning fast, breaking down the field. But he was a small guy. He was 5'6", 5'7", 5'8", by many accounts, 135 pounds, 145 pounds, 150 pounds at the most. So he was dominant for Jefferson, and he helped them to a lot of wins back in the 1920s. And his success in Jefferson led him to pursue a football career in the Big Ten. At that time, he was the first player from Jefferson 
to ever play for a Big Ten school. He had red hair, was not big, those 138 pounds made him look like he was tiny. But boy, did he ever have one hell of a story in one hell of a career. Donald Wilson was Rudy before Rudy ever was a story. This is a Hollywood script that should be made into a movie. He was actually impactful compared to Rudy. Rudy was just a guy that people liked. And then the more that you talk about it and quiz people, Joe Montana didn't even like Rudy. Red Wilson, people loved. He became, he kind of kick-started Michigan's rejuvenation, reintroduction into the college football world. They They were struggling Red Wilson's senior year until he made a big impact. What I want to do is read you a, a couple couple key things about him. But before I get deeper into this, we need to talk about his early lives. His early life. Donald Red Wilson was born September 10th, 1908 to Mabel and E.L. Wilson in Jefferson. He didn't have the easiest life. A bone disease triggered a severe foot injury when he was 12, which required Wilson to use crutches for a while before finally going, undergoing surgery in 1922. So he lived with this bone disease for two years, using crutches for two years, what it seems like. Dr. Sturmer, Stur, Steinmeier provided a turning point in Donald Wilson's life as he removed a portion of the diseased bone from Wilson's heel. Ouch. No wonder he was using crutches. He couldn't walk on his heel. But not even three years later, Don Wilson was dazzling fans in Jefferson as he became the star of the Rambler football team. Though he was still undersized and he was overlooked by many, By his senior year, Wilson was listed as only 122 pounds, roughly 5'5 to 5'7. He was small. Imagine having a 5'5, 125-pound running back today. He would get crushed. He would never see the field. But what separated Donald Wilson from other guys was because he could run. He could run like the wind. He He was a blur. He had one one account that I've found in his senior year is that Jefferson was playing Boone. And there was only two touchdowns in this game. And they won 13-0, Jefferson did. But there was Boone fumbled on the on their own ten on the on the Rams 10-yard line. On the Ramblers 10-yard line. Guess who picked it up? Donald Wilson. And boom, he was gone. Sprinted 90 yards down to the end zone just outran everybody. He was known for his speed, and he quickly picked up the nickname Speedy Wilson. But he was, because of his small stature, he didn't get recruited by anybody. Granted, there was no recruiting back in the 1920s, but nobody had any interested in him. And this was only a couple years after the Depression. But Donald Wilson knew He wanted to leave Jefferson. He wanted to leave Iowa. So this is where Mission King came into play. 
the legendary Michigan football coach, Fielding Yost, had won six championships with the, the Wolverines. And Donald Wilson badly wanted to play for him. But Michigan didn't want offer him a scholarship. They didn't even invite him to play for the team. But what, from what the accounts that I've picked up over the years is Wilson just went to Michigan, just enrolled at school, and walked onto the football team. But it wasn't an easy route to get to Michigan, to Ann Arbor. He hitchhiked and rode trains to get the several eight or so hours, eight, nine, ten hours to Michigan, which is remarkable in itself. That's what makes this story so cool, is that he went through hoops, all sorts of things, obstacles and whatnot, and got his way to Michigan. But then he didn't play at all when he went to Michigan. Nobody knew he was on the team, really. He sat for three and a half years, almost four years. He never saw a lick of action for his first three years, any varsity action. At that time, they still had junior varsity, B teams, whatever you want to call it. They called them B teams back in the day, so he played some there. And the fan base started to really catch on to him. And the coaches knew he was good, but he never played for three years. Just taking beatings, practicing on the practice squad. But the newspapers started to pick up on him early in in 1929. This was an excerpt from the Ann Arbor local Michigan student paper. Little Red Wilson is a speed merchant with plenty of fight. Wilson is a midget, fast and shifty, and he did well on the B team. Wilson has shown flashes of brilliancy for the past two years as a member of the reserves. Here, therefore, has been regarded as too light. So, everybody thought he was small. And granted, he was small. I mean, 5'5", 5'7", 125 pounds, 135 pounds. That's tiny. And they had no respect for him. They were calling him a midget. Many other guys called him an elfish. Sec Taylor, the legendary Des Moines Register reporter, called him elfish. He quickly picked up the name Red because of his red hair. But then, the key change that happened in Wilson's career, a key break in his life, <coughs> was that Harry G. Kipke took over for the legendary fielding Yost prior to the 1929 season. Kipke immediately had Wilson in his mind, but he still had a stable of running backs. There was about three running backs in front of Donald Wilson, but Kipke did consider playing Donald Wilson in the Ohio State game, the fifth game of the year, and this is what one of the newspapers, the Michigan Daily, wrote prior to the Ohio State game. Wilson, the tiny sorrel-topped lad, is one of the hardest workers on the squad, and his diligence has just about persuaded Kipke to give him his first big chance. Wilson is lightning fast and a good man to have in past events. Those days, those days is when they, they played both ways. It's not like it is today. So he was also known as a great cornerback, Donald Wilson was. 
The Daily continued, He is an expert at intercepting throws, and should he snare one against Ohio State, the Buckeyes might just as well not chase him, for they'll never catch him. So the press was catching on to Donald Wilson's speed. But a couple more games passed, and he didn't see any more action. He didn't. He sat out against Ohio State, and he sat out against Illinois. This is when Kipke got got fed up. The the Wolverines were sitting at three and three overall in the season. There was no playoffs back then. There weren't any. I don't think there were any bowl games back then. And so there was this. There was a turning point. There was two games left in the season. If they can somehow come on top and not win, not lose any of these games, they can finish the year with a winning record. So Michigan took on Harvard. Michigan was leaving Harvard, Harvard 14-12. And at that time, Harvard was one of the great football programs in the nation. So this was a huge, huge game for the, the Wolverines. So Kipke, with eight minutes left in the game, and the Wolverines leading 14-12, to 12, he thought back on his pregame speech. Now Kipke was... Not your prototypical pregame guy. He still gives speeches, but they were interesting. This guy coached for Michigan for eight years, and he played for Michigan in 1923. It was in 1922 as well, and he was an All-American. And this is, but this is what, so he had Michigan maize and blue in his blood. But his, his pregame speech was a little bizarre, and it took a lot of players by surprise because he threatened suicide. Yes, I said that right. He threatened suicide. He said that they were playing in front of a giant crowd, that they were expecting more than 90,000 people. The Michigan, Michigan Stadium was just two years old at the time, so there was a lot of people coming up. So this is what Kipke said in his pregame speech. I told the boys that they were not only fighting for Michigan... Before human life, as I narrowed my choice down to potassium cyanide or the Ambassador Bridge, he said in a, in a post-game interview with, with the New York Post. So that's pretty drastic. They're threatening suicide, but that's what, that's what was going on. That's how important this game was. So he later said in that same story after the game, that stadium was a riot, and I began suspecting that the water was pretty cold on the bridge in late October. So he wanted, obviously he wanted Michigan players to win. So with that eight minutes left, he brought in Donald Wilson at fullback. And they etched out the win, setting up. With two more games left, he set up a miraculous final two run, final two games. So the the papers caught on to Donald Wilson's story, and they really liked his stature and the underdog stuff. And this is where the Minnesota game the following week was really where Donald Wilson made things happen. 
the Wolverines upset Minnesota. And here's the the deadline or the headline that reads in the Minneapolis Star on November 18th, 1929. Gopher defeats Kendall Badger's hopes. 134-pound Red Wilson of Michigan team becomes Middle West's booth. B-team player for three years overcomes handicap to scintillate. So if that doesn't tell you what little respect people had for Donald Wilson at the time, I don't know what does. But he just torched him. The newspapers were all over Minnesota that week. Because they were all over Michigan that week and Donald Wilson. Because... Insanely, Donald Wilson was on the receiving end of a fake field goal double pass with them barely clinging to a lead. He caught that double pass down at the two-yard line, and a couple plays later, Michigan scored to preserve the victory. So he was the star. He was unbelievable in that game. This is what the lead of that Minneapolis star says. Yale may have its Albie Booth in Indiana as George Rosh, but Michigan Saturday paraded a sorrel-topped speed merchant who had both of them cheated from the standpoint of size. He was none other than Red Wilson, young human Adam, whose explosive punch did did much to blow up the gopher homecoming arsenal with a retort that blew a defenseless jug all the way back to Ann Arbor. Even back then, the Michigan Wolverines and the Minnesota Gophers were fighting for the little brown jug. That's the the trophy that they're referencing in this article. And it goes on to describe Red Wilson even more. When Wilson downs his heartiest meal, lets his hair and beard grow longer than the members of the Indiana No Shave Club, and jumps on the scale with a mighty bounce, he attains the tremendous bolus of 135 pounds. Thus, he is one of the smallest players in the Western Conference, if not the entire country. To boot, Wilson is a comparative newcomer to the Big Ten ranks, a gridiron flower who came very near being born to blush unseen or whatever an unknown football player is supposed to do. For much of the past two years, he performed on the the Michigan B team with no particular glamour surrounding his work. This year, however, his consistent toll was rewarded by graduation to the varsity ranks. He immediately set out to prove that he belonged by balancing his lack of physical attributes by a display of fight which Coach Kippy revealed has no equal on the entire squad. A coach would never notice Wilson as a rule, Kippy confided after the game, except for his unusual fight and grit. Of course, he's speedy and boasts comp- considerable football intelligence and instinct, though not in qualities enough to put him over. But he does have one of the finest competitive spirits I have ever seen, and that is enough. So that's unbelievable praise for Wilson. And he was huge in that game. And he was huge in the... So that right there, with that win, the two games that Donald Wilson appeared in, Harvard and Minnesota leading up to that point, they had won. So now Michigan was 5-3. and three. They went on and played Iowa in the season finale, which was made a big hubbub. And they tied Iowa, which Iowa was one of the better teams in the conference. They tied them 0-0. So Michigan finished 5-3-1. and one. 
as a player, Donald Wilson was 2-0-1. and He never lost. He was undefeated. That's remarkable. That's an unbelievable story. That fake field goal actually occurred when Michigan was losing 6-0. So that hauling in that pass helped them win that game. Here's what Sec Taylor, the legendary Des Moines Register sports writer, said of Red Wilson's impact. He was at that game. Red Wilson, the elfish redhead from Jefferson, was given his chance in the Michigan backfield and made good. The Wolverines failed to attain a single first down until Wilson was injected into the second period and from that point on to almost the finish, figured largely in their attack as well on defense. His 134 pounds of speed and witness was everywhere. Here's more about Michigan's giant win over Minnesota from the Daily Register in Ann Arbor. Little Don Wilson, midget back, who almost single-handedly turned defeat into victory for the Wolverines, has probably earned a regular backfield berth. As a result of his showing, Wilson tried for three years to make the varsity. Only now has he achieved the distinction his supporters have long claimed his due. Doubtless Donald will play next Saturday in the final frame of his team. His friends in Jefferson are rejoicing at his continued success. Which is remarkable that Donald Wilson led the Wolverines to a 2-0-1 record the final three weeks of the season, digging him out of a possible losing season. This is what the Chicago Tribune wrote after the Harvard game about Donald Wilson. There's romance in the career of Red Wilson as a football player. When he reported as a sophomore and weighed in, he failed to disturb the bar at 130 pounds and was dismissed as too light. And then... Donald Wilson's teammates loved him. Howard Poe, a former Michigan guard, had this to say after the Minnesota win. Wilson is the kind of sub who can run a tired opposing team ragged and prep up his own mates. It's a pleasure to open holes for a back who's going somewhere. That kid, Wilson, inspired us to do things we did this afternoon. So that's just high praise. Everybody loved him. He was the definition of Rudy before Rudy. This is an incredible story, and it could go on for so much. I want this to go in a movie. It could at least be a play. It's one of the better stories ever. And even Harry Kipke, almost ten years, almost five years later, wrote a big, glowing piece in the New Saturday Evening Post, November 11th, 1933, four years after Wed Wilson last played for Michigan. But Harry Kipke could not forget this. Little red-headed speedster midget elf whatever you want to call him i'll leave you with his note and this is great this is great this is absolutely list i'll leave, i'll close this story out with this here is harry kipke in the saturday evening post from 1933 november 11th a running game isn't so alarming but a successful passing game fills me with a greater dread than a pink toothbrush the most uncomfortable moments of my sanity in pious life were the last eight minutes of the Harvard game in 1929. It was my first year as head coach at Michigan, and after winning three games, we lost three in a row. Before the Harvard battle, I told the Bulls that they were not only fighting for Michigan, but for human life. There were 90,000 people jammed in the stands for that afternoon, and at the end of the 52 minutes, the Wolverines were leading 14-12. to 
I still refer to the final part of that struggle as the last eight hours of the Harvard game. I've often wondered whether Harvard ever did that well in a single practice. The crowd was in a perfect frenzy, and 90,000 raving maniacs can raise quite a turmoil. That stadium was a, a riot. And as Michigan took towards the goal line, I looked over the Warriors, huddled around, and suddenly motioned to Red Wilson. Red was a storybook character, the first on the field and the last for four years. He sat in the fading days of his senior year without ever having been in a game. The official program gave Red's weight as 135 pounds, but he must have been palming cannonballs. Red, I asked, can you play fullback? Me? Wilson said nervously. I can play anything. Well, you know where to line up when we get the ball. He looked intently into my face for a minute and then said, You aren't kidding me, coach? I shook my head. In fact, I shook all over. For then, my knees smote each other violently as Wood completed another one of those six or eight yard passes. You go at fullback, I said. Remember, no passes ever completed behind a Michigan fullback. So Little Red Wilson sprinted out and a 200-pounder trotted wonderfully to the sidelines. A 135-pound fullback isn't very formidable to back up a line in a combat of powerful attack, but I wasn't afraid of a running back as I was of the passing. Red actually did play so well that the game ended 14-12, and I started him the next Saturday. The aftermath of that situation is simply delightful too. Monday, Red phoned and said his aunt was en route to Iowa and the train stopped for 10 minutes in Ann Arbor. He asked if I could give him some time off. Would I? I'd have given him the depot and the whole New York Central system if I could. Later, he came on the field and someone asked casually whether he'd seen his aunt and he blurted out, Say, coach, I told her I played fullback against Harvard and she wouldn't believe it. Will you write her a letter? She said her little nephew never played fullback against Harvard as they were all great big giants. Unfortunately, I never struck up a correspondence with Red's aunt, and so I hope she reads the football articles in the post. So if that doesn't tell you that's one of the most truly awe-inspiring underdog stories in Iowa history, I don't know what does. So there you have it. Enjoy the weekend, guys. Enjoy some awesome football. Win some money, and think of the underdogs while you're at it. Peace.